Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. I don't have anything this time. Oh, no. I mean, I have things I'm grateful for. I'm always grateful. I'm always looking at the big picture and saying, wow, what a cool picture. And then I get other people to come look at the picture. But I don't have a funny bit for the intro. And I know you count on me for things, classic bits that people are always talking about. I know. We could take turns. I could do bits sometimes. You You want to do it? Yeah. All right. Go ahead and do it. Uh, This week, we'll be going for the gold. Hey. Olympics. They should have a podcasting category, I feel like, but you have to be on big skis and you're doing a slalom while you do it. And that would be fun because we could do the episode in stereo. So it'd be like, yeah. So uh anyway, did you hear the latest thing that uh Mark Cuban said? <laughs> so this would be our Shark Tank fan cast, but we record it yeah. while we're doing a ski slalom. That's fun. Ski shark tank is that something see babe you got the intro magic <laughs> a lot of people say it's like it's a it's, it's so difficult nobody's you know gonna it get is. it the first time but we're recording in the afternoon we didn't just eat a big meal typically we start you talk about a big meal we just ate we you're do right that. well we eat the big burgers from b terry's specifically so we have something to talk about in the intro mm-hmm. i didn't eat lunch yet me neither hungry belly over here yeah i wonder how that's gonna get into the podcast Ooh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a little touchy there at the end i bet Ooh, maybe and also, you'll get the gurgles from my tumbles. <laughs> my tumbo gurgles. That's cute. Thank you. Um, I think it's my turn to start this week. I think so. So my first... Do you hear that? Do you hear that? It sounds like a, like piano keys tinkling in the back. Do you hear that? Do you have... Is, are you playing music on your phone or something? You hear it? It's like... Do you hear it? It's weird. Oh, there it is. Um... I want to talk about the OC. Wow. Have we not done that yet? No, it's kind of unbelievable that we haven't done yeah. that yet. So, like, I want to start out by saying, I want to couch it a little bit by saying, I don't actually know. I'm too deep in at this point to know whether or not the OC is, like, a great show or even a good one at this point. I have watched it, like, four or five times in its entirety. Like, I will acknowledge there are entire plot lines that when they show up during one of my rewatches, I'm like, ugh. Locked into this for a few ones, yeah. huh? Uh, it is also occasionally like problematic in that like patented early 2000s kind of way where it was yeah. like, wow, you took a swing at that, but you didn't really keep your eye on the ball there, the OC. Despite that stuff, like it really is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Um, if you've never watched the OC, it follows a character named Ryan Atwood, who is a teen boy played by a 35 year old man, um, <laughs> who runs afoul of the law in his hometown of Chino and he ends up getting rescued for the first time of about 40 times throughout the show's, show's run. Uh, by a public defender named Sandy Cohen, who opens the doors of his family's palatial Newport estate to, to Ryan. Um, and the whole series is about Ryan's like struggles to fit in, in this world in Newport in Orange County. Um, the show has a lot to say about like classism while also Yes, kind of indulging in like the fantasy of, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be enormously wealthy and, and successful? Um, but that's not really like, that's not why I love this show. Uh, like it's nice to look at these nice things, right? But the show I feel like has a really lovely, coherent aesthetic beyond just like, look at these nice things that these people have. Um, the, the world feels like very, very alive and they put in a lot of work to make it a very like, uh, vibrant sort of world with a lot of character. What I love about this show, and I will go to my grave 
with this is is it's because it has the best cast of characters probably ever assembled in a television show before. Full stop. Uh, what are you about to what are you about to compare it to? Are we including, I don't know, Oliver in this mix? The musical Oliver? The what pl- was the name of that kid that Marissa befriends? Oh, it's Oliver. Terrible. Yes, okay. Yeah. No, he's, he sucks. He's not a great character. No, but... Are you talking about the main cast? Even the little spots on the apple still doesn't... You just cut those away. So so the, the characters are all fantastic. The, the show sort of centers around the Cohen family. Uh, which is really, okay, if you don't agree with the other thing, like, I think the best, like, family dynamic ever portrayed in a television show before, and it's one that is so much more nuanced than I think it really had any right to be. Uh, there's Kirsten, who is a bit more straight-laced, a little bit more old money, uh, and Sandy, who is a bit more idealistic. They are married. They are the mom and dad of this family. Um, and, and I may have just described that sort of relationship and you may have thought like, oh, okay. So they demonize Kirsten constantly for being sort of snooty or whatever while building up Sandy as being this, you know, this, this god of justice. When, when really like the show does so much more than that. And it's really interesting how often they kind of have to cross the, the fence for each other and help each other out constantly. Like I feel like despite that they could have very easily made it like, okay, Sandy is this, this dude who's fighting the system. And so his righteousness is always pure, but really his righteousness kind of like gets him in trouble and he fucks up a lot because of it while on the same vein like kirsten i think falls prey to like the status quo of this kind of shitty town that they that they live in but it's the way that they kind of work together to like find find the the path through like oh, surviving there's, this town there's so, so much good. like chemistry between the actors too which i think helps a lot is that i think they it's one of those casts where you watch and you think the actors themselves probably added a lot to the story uh, just in in their ability to understand the characters. Yeah, the the the, the cast is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the result of like this really interesting relationship is their son Seth. And I just said that out loud, and it made it sound like I don't know where babies come from. <laughs> um, but but really, like he represents that dynamic between between uh, Sandy and, and Kirsten so well because he's really savvy about how the town works, while also is like kind of eager to fight against the things that he thinks are kind of uh, poisonous about the town. Um, he is sort of the first character who really accepts Ryan for, for what he is and really helps him to understand how this town works and how to like find his footing here and becomes like a brother to, to him. He is a, he's a fantastic character. He's also very funny, uh, portrayed by, uh, Adam Brody. Um, even though like he kind of fucks up more than a human being could conceivably fuck up uh in their in their lifetime he's still like a really really great well, character. Well Seth is Adam Brody. Right. Um, Ryan is Ben McKenzie. Oh, did I say Ryan was I th- I don't know how that worked out, but I just made Okay, Seth is that. Adam Brody. Ryan <laughs> is played by Ben McKenzie who is in yep. uh Gotham. Yeah. Um uh Summer and Marissa are are two other characters and they they also like it's so fascinating how like every character is built around the town, like it really gives the place a, 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 a real sense of, of place. Uh, and Summer and Marissa, they represent like another kind of dichotomy of how people respond to this town and how they like internalize its impact on the people who live there, both like the fun and benign, like, hey, we live in a fancy, ritzy beach town, and also like the more harmful side of things. And Marissa certainly ends up sort of representing that side of things a lot more. Um, and, and Ryan for what his character is, which is like this audience surrogate and, and doorway into 
uh, into this new world is actually really great. Like the yeah. character is really great and watching him grow from season to season, uh, from a sort of self-destructive, um, lonely guy to somebody who has a huge support circle, uh, and somebody who really like knows who they are and what they want out of their life is like so satisfying. Like you are, you are always rooting for him. And he has yeah. this, he has this character like trait of being like a tough guy from the wrong side of the, the tracks or whatever. But really like they play up his vulnerability so much. Well, and that's. You know what? Something that I've thought about a lot, too, since we've watched it, is that they're all kind of misfits. Like, they're all kind of outsiders. Like, Ryan is the most obvious one. And then, you know, like, Seth and Sandy, definitely. But even, like, Kirsten and and um, Marissa uh, and Summer, they're, like, they all kind of feel, like, uncomfortable Um in in their own skin a little bit and and it feels very much like even though it's unrelatable in a lot of ways because they're living this like really privileged lifestyle like they they all feel that kind of teen feeling of like i don't know who i am and i don't know how i fit into this yes and i should have mentioned this earlier the privilege represented in this show is cloying (laughs) don't get it on your on your skin because it'll (laughs) melt right through to the bone um, but yeah, like what you said is, is absolutely true. And what's, what's really like, again, like I, I, I can't drive this home enough. Like this, this show is, uh, occasionally a bit, um, I, I don't, I don't know how to put this. It's, it is a teen drama, right? Like they show this show in syndication on the soap network, which tells you like, yeah, it is kind of soap opera y at times. This is not a dumb show. By any means, I th- I think it is an incredibly thoughtful sort of of um way to make a a city make a place almost like the villain, like not just the setting, but the villain where like these characters have flaws, yes, but almost all of those flaws stem from this place where they live and the way that they were brought you know, up. In you this know place. what other show is kind of like that? Like another show that where the, where the environment is, is very much character and the parents of these teens are very like well thought out, like rich figures is Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Friday Night Lights is absolutely that. Yeah. Friday Night Lights does a great job of that. It's like a like, teen show where the parents actually exist, have their own lives and like they're very much rooted in the place which is not something you see in a lot of teen shows. And the OC is a lot more like tawdry than yeah. Friday Night Lights is. Friday Night Lights is a lot more grounded than the OC is. Yeah. But like, yeah. And, and both shows, I think, do a really interesting thing where the, the, the town, the, the setting of the show is yeah. kind of the source of friction for most yeah. of the things that happen. But it's also like while you are watching it, you are entranced by it um the the the, like music and photography and everything about the oc like when you watch it it almost feels like you're on vacation in these places um like i i do think of it as like a a sort of uh escapist thing thing to watch despite the fact that like the through line of the show is this town has fucked these people up and it's only through their relationships with each other that they're able to survive because you see over and over and over again what happens to people when they don't have those sorts of of relationships yeah um that that's when the show's like firing on all cylinders sometimes it's just like this person is poor so they have a gun it does that like once or twice and it's like the oc come on or like so and so 
is being self-destructive right now because something happened that they can't deal with. Like yeah. it follows these kind of typical And that's that's what I was talking about. Like, it does occasionally like falter and is like again a bit problematic at times. Yeah. But a lot of the times, like when when it has its head on straight, and I think it it gets there, like especially like season two, season three. Um, season one is great because it like lays out all the all the like groundwork for this stuff. But but as it moves forward, like it really does focus on the town and you know class struggles and identity struggles in a town that that like rewards conformity in in such a like uh like integral way to everybody's being. But it does so in like, I don't know, a way that is like kind of nuanced and really, really clever. I, there's a lot of other great characters too who we haven't mentioned. Julie Cooper, who also has like an incredible growth arc from, from the yeah. show's beginning to the show's end. Uh, Jimmy Cooper, who is her sort of estranged, uh, ex, who is another kind of perpetual fuck up who I think actually caused the housing crisis in real life. Um, uh, Taylor Townsend, who is kind of like this, uh, I don't know, teacher's pet, I guess, who somehow finds her way into Griffin the group. Griffin and I have had a lot of conversations about Taylor I Townsend. I love Taylor Townsend. First watch of the show, did not like her at all. Challenging. Couldn't, couldn't relate to her. Second watch, I was a little more on Team Taylor, but I, I will say she is definitely not one of my faves. Wrong. Incorrect. I mean, your opinion's not incorrect, and I value it, and I cherish it. <laughs> um, but what I really love about this show is, like, it has these great characters, right? But it also, the reason I keep coming back to it is because it's built pretty much completely like the the pitch for this show uh is built around my favorite storytelling trope which is found family this show is explicitly about found family it is about ryan being brought into this family um so like you're you're injected into this 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 world of newport and you're introduced to this family that has a really specific way of navigating it and then you're shown what happens how they have to like recalibrate when somebody new is brought in like ryan starts with nothing episode one like he has no friends no nurturing family members to speak of like nothing uh, and rebuilds his support circle from from scratch as the show goes on and it is so loving and so delightful to watch that process happen i didn't know that you were such a big found family guy oh hell yeah I'm not found family guy that's an unfortunate no phrase. dude i love it <laughs> um quid 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 word Yes. That's not a scene. I'm thinking of Squidward. <laughs> Peter, he's always up to no good. Uh, yeah, it makes sense now, though, that you mention it, like, given, like, what I've seen you do with the Adventure Zone. Like, yeah, for sure. That's very much a thing. Never knew that. What's your first thing? My first thing. By the way, the OC, I think, is all on uh, Hulu right now, so you can go watch it. But, again, I did warn you, at times it's kind of rough. Yeah, you, you measure it against a show like Dawson's Creek, which is one that I very much loved at the time. Uh, not as good. It beats the shit out of Dawson's yeah. Creek, I think. Yeah. Uh, my first thing is a character trait that I wanted to bring. Okay. As wonderful, which is curiosity. Absolutely. That's one thing that I realized as I got older. It's a, uh, it's a trait that I just think is such a win for a person. Uh, and it's something that I really strive to do in myself and something I've really respected about the people that I feel closest to. So I wanted to, to bring it as my thing. Well, go ahead and break it down. Yeah. Uh, so curiosity has been linked to happiness, creativity, satisfying intimate relationships, increased personal growth, uh, and increased meaning in life. And this is some information I got from an Atlantic article in 2017, um, but uh, it's been shown as a core determinant of academic achievement. I believe that. I think that I 
only became curious about things after I graduated from college. And then I was like, boy, I'm curious about history. I wish there was a way to learn about history. Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was a way to know anything about world or U.S. Well, or- and so this is what a lot of the articles I read, and also there are a lot of TED Talks about this, of this idea that um, children are inherently curious. Yeah. But much of the way that classroom learning goes doesn't really encourage that curiosity. Yeah. I I mean, I was always blown away by like, I have friends who are now history teachers. They were so deeply into history. And it's like, man, how can you even work up the nerve to care about any of this stuff? And now I'm like, wow, shit. Yeah. I watched Jeopardy and I'm like, oops. (laughs) Um, yeah. And there's actually, there's a lot of interesting Ted talks too about, um, trivia and the role trivia has in kind of, building your curiosity oh interesting like the whole like pub quiz phenomenon and just kind of what happens to your brain in those environments is is really interesting i mostly just get angry because i'm sure everybody else is looking at their phones that's what happens to my brain no that's true it's kind of why we stopped doing it yeah uh so what they this article calls like the difference between intellectually gifted which is kind of you know the standard interpretation of of what gifted is and motivationally gifted as a way of kind of gauging your curiosity hmm I imagine the latter feeds into the former, right? Like if you are curious to learn about things, you will learn about things and then be yeah. more sort of intellectually gifted. Yeah. Um, motivationally gifted people display extreme enjoyment of school and learning, of challenging, difficult and novel tasks and an orientation towards mastery, curiosity and persistence. Hmm. Uh, so I read another article on Fast Company about uh that said that the average six to 18 year old asks only one question per one hour class per month and contrast that with the average teacher who peppers kids with 291 questions a day it's an average of one second for a reply (laughs) um yeah so i just i thought that 291 questions a day and waits one second for a reply (laughs) Mm -hmm. that seems a little high to me yeah i don't know what their source is on that um but I think for me, I always loved school. Um, and I, you know, I didn't always love my classmates, but I always loved the opportunity to sit in a room and kind of discover things. And the teachers that I loved the most were the ones that kind of engaged me in the opportunity to ask questions. Uh, which I think is probably why I got into English literature so much because that class more than any other class is kind of designed to interact. Yeah, for sure. Know? Like when you're learning facts and formulas, there's little opportunity, at least in the way I was taught, to kind of exchange and give your your thoughts and opinions. But that's not to discredit like more scientific educational pursuits. No, I, I think, think there's that, a better way to do it. I think that sense of like um, discovery and excitement about like mastery, like you mentioned, like would absolutely exist. I, I get that a little bit now. I've done like some uh, like coding and stuff like that. And every time I learn something new and how to make something work in that, I feel that sense of like engagement yeah. with the thing because I, th- I believe I can do it. And I think that uh, exists. It existed for me absolutely growing up doing, uh, you know, more literary educational stuff, because when I understood like what a piece of work was about and it's in the yeah. author's intent, it, I was engaged with it in that way. Well, that's, that's why the, the shift has really been towards this like project based learning yeah. of, of getting kids to sit down and, and learn these basic skills, like these kind of, you know, quote STEM like skills, uh, through projects. So they are working together and, and accomplishing something like you were talking about with like coding, where you see a finished product and you engage all of these skills and you investigate and that kind of thing. I can't stop thinking about 
since like STEM became part of sort of the national education conversation, uh, how different my life would have been if it was a thing when I was a kid. Cause I, I swear to God, I would have, I would have grabbed onto it completely and I would not be doing this podcast right now. Like I would be in a completely different field. I feel like because I find that stuff so fascinating, but I also feel like way behind the curve on it. And, and if I had gotten started, I feel like that would have been the thing that I would have like really latched onto. Yeah. It's exciting though for like, henry and like this this generation that they're gonna have this like this huge doorway open to them hopefully i mean hopefully it's not just kind of a trend you know and all of a sudden there's going to be a shift in the next few years towards something totally different yeah um history will finally get its day (laughs) it's history based social studies i had very few good uh history and math teachers which is a shame uh because i like I like puzzles. I like stories, obviously. Uh, and both of those could really lend themselves to that. But. I think I had good history teachers. I just like, I just couldn't be less interested in it when I was younger. Cause I was so like, it, history was one of those things in school where it's like, I'm going to learn this so I can answer a question on a test and then I'm going to try to forget it instantly <laughs> so I can memorize more like Pokemon evolution requirements. So what if you had had a teacher that was like Thomas Jefferson in a way is like the Jigglypuff of the Pokemon universe? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would have like worked? latched onto that. <laughs> I mean, I'd be standing on my desk by the end of you know, that, that period. <laughs> um, that was a good one. Yeah, I, I, I just I wanted to bring that up. Um, I just feel like it is such a valuable characteristic. I feel like it's one thing that works about our relationship um, is that we continue to want to know what the other person thinks about things. And you continue, even if you've been with somebody for years and years, to look at them and say, hey, you know what? What did you think about that when that happened? Yeah, absolutely. Like interpersonally speaking, like it's a really good thing to have. But also I have found like as – I move further into my journey into adulthood. That was the weirdest imaginable way to phrase that. Um, (laughs) As you get older. (laughs) As you get older, like I find myself wanting more and more to try to like more things. It Mm -hmm. is, it is a, it is such an, uh, such an important trait. I feel like for being a good person, for being open-minded and respectful of like other people's, um, the, the, the shit other people are into, uh, trying to open yourself up to that stuff. Like you lose literally nothing and yeah. you have the potential to gain some new skill or some new hobby or interest or some new relationship with, with a person who's into that stuff that you didn't have before. Yeah. And I, and I will say it, it would be, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that my ultimate role model for this is my grandmother who, just led with curiosity my entire life and was one of the people who, when I was in middle school or high school, she like would literally tell me she wanted to live forever because she wanted to see what happened next. You know, there was just this intense curiosity that made her just like the best hostess at any party uh, and continues to make her the funniest person I know because she's, she's very engaged in what's happening and and wants to know kind of what everybody is doing and and makes everybody feel welcome because she genuinely is interested in what they have to say she helped found a a computer club like in her community and for older residents it was incredible uh, i went over to her house i think like the second time or so that i met her and she showed me her computer and a bunch of old cd roms of games that she had yeah a lot of which i never even heard of there was like a wild west style like first person shooter like 
Black Doom. Yeah. She's like, you want to play this? And I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to play that. <laughs> like, she, she's so into, like, technology and and Yeah, and well, she, she was at this, she at was this point. Time. Yeah, at this point, she doesn't have kind of the mental ability to keep up with stuff like that, but... It, um. But yeah, it just, it taught me so much from a young age of just like the best way to connect with people and to enjoy your life is to continue to, to seek out new information and, and learn from people around you. So I, I think that's invaluable. That's kind of what disappoints me the, like a lot, not the most. There's a lot of things that disappoint me about the internet, but one thing that really disappoints me is just how easy it is for people to turn on shit or develop like a negative impression towards something before they even try to understand why people like that thing. Uh, And I'm talking specifically about media here and less about, you know, you know, political beliefs. And uh, obviously that is a a whole nother kettle of fish, but somebody who's just like, I see this in games literally constantly because that is one where it's inherently a very divisive thing because people's, um, uh, preferences towards genre informs yeah. almost entirely like what they play. And so every other genre, genres that have never really clicked for them, they largely will just assume is shitty. Uh, this is a game that I don't enjoy. So you're an idiot for not for, for, for liking it when really like just give it a try. And then if you like it, congratulations, you like more stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's a, a way good to put thing. It. Yeah, don't don't dig your heels in when you're confronted with something that, you know, could potentially expand your world. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, hey, can I steal you away? I think you should go. I feel like I've done a lot of this. Hold on, let me do some animal sounds. I've been doing those a lot for, for Henry. What do you what animal do you want? Uh I really like your pig. <laughs> Let me take that again. That was terrible. Let me take that again. (laughs) That last one really got away from me. It it internalized in my larynx. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um website design or website functionality and you think that I could never be that I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell? Uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. You want to read that first Jumbotron for me? Yeah. Well, for the audience, but I will also receive it. This message is for Julia. It is from John, Alexandria, and Hala Ann. Jay Bates the girl, happy birthday. Thank you for introducing us to the good, good McElroy family. We love you a ton and can't wait for you to move back south. But really, we're happy you love what you do and where you live, even if it is in NYC. Love your oldest bro, Jay Bates the boy, your middle assist, Drea, and your baby niece, two under two, Hala Ann. That's pronounced Hala. You know, Forbes is really um, <laughs> catching a lot of shit for their two under two list because it's like, what kind of accomplishments could and they Henry possibly? didn't make it, and I was a little outraged. Well, the competition was stiff this year. Um, of course, the Allie McBeal dancing baby made the list again. Still under two, even after all this time? Well, he's digital, so he doesn't get older. Um, <laughs> uh, the baby from Baby's Day Out was mostly digital, mm -hmm. also on the list. And that was uh, incredible. That baby did not fall off that scaffolding. Boss baby. Boss baby. Huge. Mm. Yeah. Uh, here's another Jumbotron. This one is for Ashley, and it's from Jenna, who says, Hey, bud, I just want to say that you've been an amazing, dare I say, wonderful, you may say it, uh, best friend to me, and I'm super grateful to have you in my life. Here's to almost a decade of best friendship and all the polar bears, tissue birds, and good, good boys we've encountered along the way. I love you, dude. Oh, that's very nice. That is very nice. But you haven't encountered that many polar bears, because if you had, you'd be destroyed by these big, big bears. Name, listen, polar bears, big, soft, sweet, Coca-Cola's like, snuggle up to one of these things. If they think you are a big piece of cod or some haddock, rip. Hard truths. Hard truths here on Wonderful. Yeah, Mark. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, what's up, ma'am? Um, so I'm at this mafia restaurant. What? I'm going to go in and ask these guys what they think the best pasta shape is. Mark, they're probably eating it. I have a hunch that it's probably ravioli, but I mean, you know what? That's a good idea. Whatever they're eating, I'll just take a look in their bowls Why don't and you see what they have. Maybe There's supposed to be a big meeting there today. Can you see it from the street? That sounds really dangerous. So I'm just going to go inside and ask. Don't, don't bother them. They're probably eating, you know. Well, look, I'm not threatened by them. How about we tell them what the best pasta is on our podcast? We got this with Mark and Hal. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank God. Tuesdays at 9? On MaximumFun.org. Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. I'm excited because you told me that you had a song yes. that you wanted to do, and I also was going to bring a song, so it'll be a, a sort of a musical back nine here. Mm -hmm. um, but our songs are going to be so completely different, and that excites me to no end, because the song I have chosen to talk about today is 
D'Angelo's Untitled How Does It Feel. Ooh, interesting. Um, I want to make it clear before we get going that uh, I love this song in a completely unironic, pure, wholesome way, oh as gosh, Rachel to can attest. S- to see Griffin just groove to this song is, it's inspiring. Um, you, the, the title is strange, right? Untitled, How Does It Feel? You may not remember this song. I'm going to play a little bit of it now just to set the stage, to set the mood, if you will, because you have heard this song at some point, probably in the early thousands. So, uh, un- untitled, how does it feel? Which I'm going to move on and just call how does it feel because their real title is kind of a mouthful. Uh, also, it's not untitled. You can't call something untitled. Okay, no, you're D'Angelo. You can do whatever you want. Um, the, this song is off of D'Angelo's 2000 album Voodoo, which was this hugely successful album. It won Best R&B Album, uh, the, the Grammy for Best R&B Album in 2000. Uh, untitled snagged him the Best Male Vocal R&B Grammy. Like it was a a a runaway hit. Um, and this song is sort of the, the big single off of the album. And it is a, obviously a very erotically charged song, but it's also like really tender at points. Like a lot of it, a lot of it is kind of boasting. There's a line, uh, and if you'll have me, I can provide everything that you desire. Like, Oh, all right. Talking a big game there, D'Angelo. <laughs> uh, but there's a few lines that are actually really vulnerable. The first verse ends with, you've already got me right where you want me, baby. I just want to be your man. Uh, and at times it's also very, very explicit uh like the line should i say the line i am Let's curious yeah uh, i'd love to make you wet in between your thighs whoa hey because i love when it comes inside you Ooh. i get so excited when i'm around you that last line is actually kind of sweet um or it could be talking about a boner <laughs> but the rest of it is yes but for the most part like all that stuff aside it's a very stripped down um no pun intended which we'll get back to here in a bit uh, it's a very stripped down song um, and it kind of also implies with like its central thesis of very thoughtful and considerate approach to physical intimacy. Like, hey, how does it feel? Like, <laughs> that really is kind of what the, what the song thought is about. I about it that way. Um, but musically, it is so interesting, the song. Like, the harmonies, particularly in the chorus as it, as it evolves and repeats, uh, the, the harmonies are just gorgeous beyond belief. Um, my favorite thing about the song is how much it just constantly drags. If you really listen to it, like the drums and the like guitar stings that, that drop in, uh, are almost never on the same beat. Everything's always like a half beat behind. And so the song is just very, very like, it, it, it just drags in a way that is like really, really interesting and very like, I don't know, it sets the mood in, in a, in a big, big way. Um, the like pacing of the lyrics like changes from line to line. Uh, I imagine this would be a very difficult song to do karaoke to because it's just like I don't know when D'Angelo is going to start singing this time, but I guess you we will see. You know what it would be a good song for though? Mm. A figure skating routine. It would be the best figure skating routine probably just of all the time. changes in tempo. Mm. I don't know who the figure skater would be who could actually pull that off right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I I love this song. It, I, I listen to it all the time. No joke. Uh, it's on our pre-show live show playlist. So before each live show that we do, you will hear this song in in the audience at some point. Because despite the fact that it is a very like 
it's doing it music. Like, and that's the fact. Uh, it also, like, kind of gets me pumped up, not for doing it, but just to do a live show, I guess, uh, because, like, it builds to a, a climax. No, it, like, builds and builds and builds, and, like, it is so, like, explosive towards, I, there's literally no way to talk about this without something. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, how does it feel? It didn't really, like, stick with me as a, a, a genius, great song the first time I heard it back in, in the early aughts. Um, and there's a reason for that, and that's kind of the sad legacy of this of this song, which is the music video. Uh, the music video is a one shot music video. It is just a close up on a sweaty, ripped, nude D'Angelo. Have you seen the music video? I have not. Have you really not? I have really not. I'll show you a few seconds. Yeah, no, I have not seen this. <laughs> wow. Okay. So is D'Angelo? Um, it, it it's just him nude as the camera pans around him. You almost see his donger, but not quite. It always pans back up just before it hits sort of the top of the donger. Uh, it, it's 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 just a very very erotic video, right? And it really works for the song, right? And it was hugely popular, uh, despite the fact that it was you know so explicit. It got like huge airtime on VH1 and MTV. Uh, it was. That was the problem, is that this video was so popular and it became such a huge gateway for people to discover D'Angelo's music um, that it set him up as this huge sex symbol. And that completely overshadowed everything else he had ever done and everything else on the album and everything that he had worked on. Uh, I was reading about like he did a, a tour for Voodoo, the album that this was on, and you know, women would just scream for him to take his clothes off during literally oh, every song. Oh, man, that's a bummer. That That is a bummer. Like, it it, it really got to him. Uh, his uh, his manager uh, at the time, Dominique Trinier, uh, has a quote where he, he talks about the disappointment that, that he had for this music video and its effect on, on D'Angelo's career. Uh, and he said, to this day, in the general populace's memory, he's the naked dude. Um, and Questlove, who was a producer on, on Voodoo, said that, uh, had he known what the repercussions of Untitled would have been, I don't think he would have done it. Yeah, um, of course. And, and so after that time, like, things got very, very rough for, for D'Angelo. He finished that tour and, um, he, he has a quote saying, like, he never knew why a fan was a fan. Like, he never knew why people were engaging with his music, which was, like, so disappointing to him because he had created this, uh, like, critically praised masterpiece and then the dialogue about it was remember when that dude got naked for the music yeah. video um and so he went on sabbatical for like 12 years and during that time things were really rough he struggled with alcohol uh, and and addiction and while he like occasionally collaborated with some artists on some stuff he was supposed to put out this like big album that he just couldn't write he just couldn't do it um, and it, it stayed that way until, of course, in 2014, he dropped Black Messiah, which was his big comeback album. And man, what a, what a fucking way to come back. That album rules too, too. So. Yeah. I feel like that happens to a lot of artists, uh, and musicians is they get kind of categorized in a particular, um, you know, stereotype. And then they have to spend their whole career fighting against that. Yeah. It's a shame in like so many ways, specifically in this instance, because you know, D'Angelo felt for whatever reason, like he had to put his, his entire career on hold until he like recovered from this. Um, but I think this, the sort of smaller thing that's more relevant to what we're talking about is I think untitled, how does it feel is a brilliant, uh, incredible song. 
Uh, but it specifically is the naked dude song. Yeah. And I think, and that's why, like, I didn't, like, really, I didn't really listen to it. You watch that music video and it's a, it's a, you know, whatever, it's a good music video and it matches the tone of the song, which is sort of the goal of a music video. But you watch that music video and it's like, there's a naked man and you're not listening to like this really, really interesting, great song. Yeah. But now I, you know, I went a decade without listening to it or watching the music video and it came up in a, like a Spotify recommends and I was like, oh shit, I remember this jam. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's hear your uh, song that you want to talk about and maybe we can compare and contrast uh between how does it feel and 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 your second thing uh so my second thing is the song same dark places by junior junior yeah formerly dale earnhardt junior junior right yeah i can't imagine why they had to change that name (laughs) uh i became a dale earnhardt junior junior fan uh with the album it's a corporate world from 2011 love every single song on that album it's incredible i think we had a bunch of those songs in like our wedding uh like playlist that they played at our wedding i know we had nothing nothing but our love is on that album right yeah yeah, and the uh, the song about Detroit is on that album, yeah. which is incredible. They're um, they're really good. Can you kind of describe like what their what their thing yeah, is? Yeah, so it's uh, I mean it's two front guides, it's Daniel Zott and Joshua Epstein, um, and it's kind of like poppy, like kind of psychedelic, kind of like polyphonic spree a little bit. I think so, but like with more of a uh, electronic edge. I think yeah, those uh, and and just really kind of joyful upbeat music uh i've always i've always really liked it every time i hear a new song of theirs and i just recently heard this one that i'm bringing this week uh it it just makes me just happy maybe let's uh let's listen to it first uh before we we dive into it uh any any deeper so folks can know what it what it sounds like Uh, so if you are a fan of the show 13 Reasons Why, uh, this is the first song from the TV show soundtrack. Oh, um, you're good for Junior Junior. Yeah. Uh, they. It's been a while since they've had a full album come out, but this song just came out in 2017. And uh, it it's overwhelmingly positive um and it's it's very similar to their other songs and that you know it has kind of a similar sound uh, but the thing i really like about it is kind of the thing that i liked about rem's everybody hurts and that there's just kind of this like really like almost uh stubborn like push towards just persisting uh and and there are lines in it that just speak really clearly to people that are feeling isolated or, or alone um, in a very kind of poppy way. Unlike, you know, everybody hurts. Like we we are, yeah. we are really dancing this one out. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could dance to everybody hurt. <laughs> I could give that, a, I could give that a run. Uh, so let me just, just highlight one of the lyrics that I like. Um you weren't meant to follow everyone looks different in a frame since they're so good at their own game. And you might be all right with that. Whoa, but I can't waste my time like that anymore. 
Uh, I know everybody goes to the same dark places, sometimes in the dead of night when you think you can't make it. You might find I left a light beside the bed for you because I've been there too. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm always drawn to this this kind of art and music that recognizes the tendency in people to feel um, isolated or removed or, or separate, you know, and, and recognizing that 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 is a very common feeling and that doesn't take away from how difficult it is, but there is an opportunity to kind of connect with this shared feeling of that. Uh, and I feel like this song does that in a really great way. Yeah. It's also like, they're a very, very good band. Like all yes. of them, all of the music that they make is very, um, I feel like I use this word a lot to describe music, but it really is like it describes the type of music that I like the most, which is it's interesting. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in all of their songs that is not, it's kind of the opposite of how does it feel in, yeah, in that regard. Yeah, not remotely sexual or erotic in any way. No, no, but it is, <laughs> but it is like, they, there's a lot of like pieces. There's a lot of moving pieces in their songs. And mm -hmm. that's why I like re-listening to them. I've listened to Nothing But Our Love like constantly because there's just like little uh, like synth arpeggios that just appear and then fade away and never come back in. And it's just like, that was just, you just brought that in for that one little part. That's so cool. Um, and, and you sent me this song this afternoon because you told me you were going to talk about it. And I've listened to it a couple times too. They're, they're yeah. just a really good band. It's, it's a, it's a relatively new song again. It's called Same Dark Places. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and I would really recommend it. It's, it's a good little feel good jam. Are they a local band? They're from Detroit. Oh, I guess that. Yes. I did see them at, I think the first time I saw them perform was at ACL hmm. here, but. Uh, cool. Do you want to hear some submissiones? Yes. I don't know why I called him that. Will you ever forgive me? I'll think about it. Anna says, my dog has been working at the nursing home my mom works at as a therapy dog, and the uh, the people there love her. Recently, the residents threw her a birthday party complete with banners, handmade decorations, and a cake in the shape of a bone that was specially made so that both people and my puppy could eat it. Again. Oh, my God. I have to tackle how that is possible, but we'll cross that bridge when we come Peanut to it. Peanut butter. Peanut butter unites all species. I guess that's true, except for people who are allergic to peanut butter. Well, are true. they not okay. humans, okay. Rachel? Okay. Uh, they also brought her uh, dog toys and gave her some treats as presents. The joy that this dog party brought the residents, me and my dog, was so wonderful, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. Thank you for sharing it. That's awesome. It's very good. Maria says, I know I'm definitely in the min minority here, but I think that the end pieces, or butt pieces, as the haters call them, of bread are wonderful. I always liked the crust on my sandwiches from a young age, and the fact that the two pieces uh, on the loaf that are basically all cruft, cruft? In my mind, they're cruft, but the crust uh, <laughs> is, is wonderful. I'm the only person I know that will actively eat this part, mm -hmm. so I always know that I'll be the one to get this sweet slice. Hey, hey secret. Top secret. Me too. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> me too. <laughs> there's there's tens of us. Yes. Uh, I, I I said us. I'm absolutely not. In this I will number. I will watch Griffin very specifically not eat crust. Uh, yuck yuck yuck. Uh, I I love some crust. I'll tell you what. I just love a firm bread, right? Like a sourdough, like pool. Mm -hmm. Um, but the problem, and I like like that that sort of springy, mm -hmm. sort of chewy, very um like like, like activated. Uh bread but the problem with that bread is that the crust in turn also gets like a hundred times harder and it's just no good on my teeth it gets in between it cuts me all up no thanks but i'm glad that you i included this despite the fact that i disagree vehemently with it <laughs> because i just wanted everybody to know 
It takes all kinds. It takes a whole village yeah, to eat a loaf of bread. Yeah, you know, if you're going to love bread, some of us will love all parts of the bread. Yes. Uh, Kimberly says, what I find wonderful is when someone brings me a souvenir when they come home from a trip. There's something special about a friend or family member buying me a little something from a local gift shop while they're on vacation somewhere. Mm. It makes me feel like a special person I in their life, that. in their life to know that they thought of me even when they're out of town. Yes. That's very sweet. That's the best because you know if somebody's traveling, they have every reason to be distracted. But when they get you a little something, it's like, oh, you're thinking, you're thinking about me. me. My nanny was a travel agent who would travel constantly and every time she came back into town we were kind of like spoiled brats about it actually because we'd be like mm, present please <laughs> um but she always would bring us like weird stuff from all over and it was like the most exciting shit yeah uh i think that's it thank you to bowen and augustus for the use for our theme song money won't pay uh it's uh, you can find a link to that in the episode description it's a really really great song uh and hey thanks to maximum fun yeah hey if you haven't checked out story break yet that is another new podcast on maximum fun where they develop kind of improv style these elaborate uh pitches for stories and it's uh it's a lot of fun yeah uh if you want to hear other stuff that we do you can go to mcelroyshows.com and you can find all our podcasts and video stuff that we do there um i think that's about it huh that's it uh, if you want to submit something to the show, it's wonderfulpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 66639, Austin, Texas, 78766. If you want to join the Facebook group, it is still listed under Rosebuddy Cast if you are searching for it. But oh, it is, is it really? Yes. Wow, okay. But it is very active, and it is a great place to go to share your wonderful things. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's it. So, uh, I was just going to say bye, but that would be rude. <laughs> that's not how we do it. Could we end this one like an episode of Terrace House? Do you know what I mean? No. Oh. I just be like, I think I'm in love with it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? <laughs> all right. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds, Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over.